Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello, and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we have Rebecca Johansson on uh, as our guest, and she has an interesting background. I'm bringing her on as a people expert, uh, not the, the nerd that uh, I think a lot of us are. She really knows people. She has a very different background, and I'm going to let her share that with you. But Rebecca is a corporate trainer. I know her from doing a variety of those people strategies kind of courses over at the Radio School of Management at UCSD. And she works elsewhere um, as well and has another night job too, which I'm going to have her tell you about in just a minute. I uh, keep the surprise going. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I say it's a night job, but really, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw uh, last week one of her plays that she wrote and directed, and she's also an actress as well. So Rebecca, tell us a little bit about your story. Like, who are you? What do you do? And how did you get to uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, well, my background is actually in the theater. Uh, I have a PhD from the joint doctoral program at UCSD and UC Irvine. Uh, and while I was getting my, my PhD, um, I, I ran a theater company in San Diego. And one of uh, my regular patrons who would uh, donate and, and engage and talk with us after the shows was uh, the former associate dean at the Rady School, Clark Jordan. Mm -hmm. uh, and Clark came out of a program at uh, Carnegie Mellon where they had a whole undergraduate acting, uh, acting for business majors course that all business majors were required to take yeah. as a means of... Uh, learning how to understand their body language, understanding their voices, how to think quickly on their feet. It was a bit of an improvisation course. Um, and just really training them how to have uh, more comfort level with their interactions with other human beings. So he asked me to put together a course, uh, this was about 10 years ago for Rady, um, called Acting for Executives, mm -hmm. with the same kind of principle in mind. And we didn't really know where it was going to go when we first started it. Uh, I just sort of threw in some concepts and played around a little bit with some theater games for business business executives. And it's since, uh, with the feedback that we got in those first couple of courses, I've since developed uh, several different uh, soft skills areas using those same techniques, using techniques that actors learn in the theater for uh, training their voices, for understanding their bodies, for thinking quickly on their feet, for overcoming fear and nerves, for how to communicate effectively. Um, so those have branched off into the specific areas of emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. um, public speaking, uh, and now I also teach a lot of courses on collaboration and creativity, and we engage with a lot of, of, of different activities that we use in the theater to try to, to generate new ideas and tap into our creative selves in order to teach innovation. Um, but mostly, my, my largest focus area has been on emotional intelligence, um, and I'm also branching off to talk a little bit about gender intelligence because my, my PhD is actually looking at feminist uh, um, uh, responses to theater throughout history and looking at um, how 
our relationship to performance impacts the way that men and women treat each other uh, in, in the real world. So, uh, so it seemed natural to connect that, that area of research to, uh, to the real world and the way that men and women interact in the workplace today. So I'm currently doing some research on that and developing some new course material around understanding how to create environments uh, that are conducive to, to people from diverse backgrounds and different genders. Wow, I'm gonna get to that. I started <laughs> here in my notes here because I wanna get to that uh, later as I'm asking you questions here. But the first thing that came up to me as we were talking, and I think probably comes up to some of our listeners and viewers is this acting mm -hmm. um, sort of versus authenticity, mm. right? So uh, one thing that we talk a lot about on this podcast on Reinventing Nerds is how to communicate in a way that's authentic, that's, that's, a, that's true to you. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about necessarily being super transparent and all that. We're just talking about not having to be somebody you're not. And mm -hmm. when I hear acting, it's like, well, you could take on a role of somebody completely different. But mm -hmm. when you broke it down, it didn't sound like that at all to me. I was like, oh no, she's going to tell me how to like be some old, different persona. And I don't want to be a different persona. I want to be me. Wow, but no, you're no. saying no, understand uh, your voice, your body, your mm -hmm. emotional intelligence. So how, yeah. how does that come up for people? And what do you normally talk about? Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that, that we learn early on uh, in, in actor training is that acting is really about tapping into authenticity and truth. Mm. and finding your own truth within a character that might be very different from you. So, uh, so when people think of acting skills, they think of being able to put on a different persona when really it's just about getting at truth, the truth of who you are, um, the truth of your experience, the truth of your motivations, the, the truth of your emotional responses to, to different situations. Um, and I think that we can, all, we can tell when somebody is being fake with us. Right. We can tell when somebody's being inauthentic. And so um, the best performers are the ones that find that truth within themselves that's related to their character that they're portraying. Um, the way that we apply it to the world of emotional intelligence um, is really one of the, the key skills of uh, any performer is the ability to listen. It's the ability to, to listen actively um, and to read uh, how somebody is responding to you emotionally. Uh, and that's one of the foundations of emotional intelligence. It's, we break it down into four different areas, which is self-awareness, mm -hmm. uh, self-management, social awareness, and then relationship management. So the self part is about having an awareness that I am having an emotion. <laughs> that's very helpful. Some right. people don't always recognize right. or, or if they, if they aren't, if they're aware that they're having an emotion, they might not know what is triggering it or where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and so just having that awareness is, is the first step. And then once you have that awareness, what do you do that with that information? Uh, is that a, a useful emotion for me to be having right now? Um, and if not, how might I be able to engage in some strategies to shift to a, a different space that will be more helpful? Um, so that's all about the self. And then it's about the social as well, which is being able to recognize that somebody else is having an emotional response to something that I'm saying. And then again, the second part of that is once I, I'm aware of that information, what do I do with it? How do I adjust my, my, my tactics towards engaging with this person in order to create a positive situation for both of us. Um, and that can be as, as, as much as just being there to listen. It can be 
allowing them some space to walk away uh, if it's a particularly emotionally charged situation or if it's a really positive emotion, learning how to channel that and, and work toward uh, group cohesion. Um, so that's that's where it's 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 all very much connected. So I work a lot with a um, I've developed this material for emotional intelligence with two different corporate psychologists who specialize in the mm -hmm. uh, in the science behind it and the theory behind it. And then I've developed a number of exercises that um, that are based in the theater that help to reinforce the theoretical concepts. Because it's one thing to learn about soft skills. I mean, anybody can read a book. Right. <laughs> Uh, but then it's, what do I do? Um, how do I experience that in the real world? And so I work with, uh, with a number of different organizations and with, with people from different organizations when they come into an open enrollment session to, uh, to get an opportunity to practice and to get mm -hmm. feedback that's, that's constructive before they have to go into their real world situations and, and engage with this material. Uh, and it's an ongoing practice, but one of the things that we've, that we've learned over the last 25 years of emotional intelligence research is that unlike our IQ, which is relatively set by, by a particular age, young age, um, mm -hmm. our EQ, our emotional intelligence can grow and and expand throughout our lives we, mm -hmm. we can constantly constantly learn how to engage in a more healthy way with one another uh, and uh, areas like that are going to be are absolutely crucial for for the success of an organization uh, there's been a, a lot of, of research that's been done overlooking just at the bottom line of an organization how um, how much more productive happy uh, how much more do salespeople sell when they're in an environment uh, that's happy how uh, how many people do you retain um, I think there was a Gallup poll that said the number one reason why people leave their job is because they have a negative relationship with their manager. Yes. And uh, replacing people is expensive. Mm -hmm. So we work a lot with people to learn how to create environments that make their employees happy and want to stay. Okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I talk to a lot of people even on this podcast about the challenges that they go through around retaining people when there are difficult situations that come up and, uh, a lot of what you're talking about and how to communicate with folks. So, you know, you said you have a, a variety of people who come through your programs. Yes. What about the nerds? Do you have a lot of nerds? <laughs> Tell us about the nerds. What, yeah. what characteristics do you see among that crowd? Like I'm talking like technical people, engineers, software developers, the biotech, maybe some of those folks who are really into data and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, being in San Diego and being in, in the hub of, of the biotech world, we get yeah. a lot of, a lot of nerds come through. Okay. And actually it was somebody from the biotech industry that inspired the emotional intelligence course in the first place. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, the second time that I taught that acting for executives course, I was uh, approached by several of the participants after to have conversations about, uh, what they've gotten out of the course and just having a little face-to-face -face feedback. And one of the, the, the participants was, um, uh, I think, well, actually, I think he was an engineer. And he came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I've got this problem that I've, I've done really well in my, in my organization at my position. I've just been promoted to manager mm -hmm. and now I have a team. And he said, and I don't know how to motivate my team. I don't know how to get them to understand that, that, how the, the importance of their work to my success in my career. And I said, well, wow. first of all, <laughs> you, 
<laughs> your team doesn't really care about your success in your career. They're, they're worried about their own. So, uh, so that's when, when I started working with um, some corporate psychologists at, at Rady um, to develop the material for emotional intelligence, because that seemed to be a particular issue is that people who um, probably joined their careers because they were good at solving problems or they were good at looking at the, the material itself and, and, and having a, a relationship with, with an inanimate object or with a problem mm -hmm. or with a formula or with a, um, being very hands-on with creating things. Um, but, then, but then they do so well at that, that then they get promoted and suddenly their job is to manage people rather than dealing with problems or dealing with something that's, that's, um, that's not going to talk back to you. Uh, and so that was one of the, the impetus behind developing the course. And we very much had that community in mind when we were developing it, it was this idea of um, figuring out ways to not only introduce the concepts, but to also put it into practice. Um, because they, a lot of people that come from that background don't have a lot of practice getting one-on-one -on -one, yeah. uh, with, with other human beings. Um, and then also creating an environment where they could get feedback that would be helpful to, to understanding how they were coming across to other people. I've learned that a lot of, um, a lot of the nerds that I work with, and trust me, my family is full of them too, so I'm okay. very familiar with that type. Uh, it, but working with them a lot, because they are so focused on solving a problem, on working at a computer, at working hands-on with, with um, equipment, they oftentimes aren't very connected to um, to their body language or to understanding how they're coming across to other people and oftentimes have challenges with eye contact. Mm -hmm. um, those are the primary areas that I see um, difficulty. And so I work with them. I've developed a number of, of uh, ways for them to get feedback on how they're coming across uh, because uh, I, we start with identifying, well, what is your normal strategy when you engage in a difficult conversation? Are you more assertive or are you more receptive? Do you sit back and do you listen more? Or do you, do you try to, to articulate your point of view more and, mm -hmm. and push other people? And then we give them a practice to be able to, to troubleshoot a, a difficult problem and they get feedback from, from the other people in the course on whether or not they're actually coming across the way that they think that they are. Okay. So, I, and one of the things that's really important in that is to understand that 93% of our message that we're trying to communicate with other people is nonverbal. It's through our body language and it's through mm -hmm. our tone of voice. Only 7% of our message is words. And those three things have to be in harmony in order for our message to be received the way that we are hoping for it to be received. Uh, and so a lot of the work I do in emotional intelligence in also in the public speaking course is on just having an awareness of what your body language is communicating. Cause we'll believe that before we believe the words that come out of somebody's mouth. No, that makes sense. And it sounds to me like this is something, you know, you say like, don't try this at home, but maybe <laughs> it, it, you should, but like asking mm -hmm. people for feedback on mm -hmm. how you're coming across, you know, people Absolutely. who you trust, who could give you the uh the truth right absolutely you know? yeah yeah um, not just in a course um but being able to take the feedback when you get it mm -hmm. I, mean, I tell you you know sometimes you you're not you think oh yeah everything's great and someone's like well actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and you know and, and and there's a whole a whole other area of training on how to give appropriate feedback <laughs> right <laughs> but, um 
But yeah, one of the things that we do is we have them identify a challenging situation, either that they're about to challenging conversation, either that they're about to have or that mm -hmm. they've had recently. And, and to use that, uh, that very specific example as, as a way to work through the process. And um, I find that that's really, really helpful for them. And because we get a lot of people from the same organization in our programs, a lot of times they'll choose situations that they're dealing with at home. Um, mm. oftentimes with difficult teenage children. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what comes to my uh, mind, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think I've, I've solved a lot of family problems, too. Oh, nice. Of, of the years of doing this, yeah. Huh. But, but that you can do that at home, too. You know, you don't need um, an expert to come in and, and, and give you training. I can give you some specific areas, but, um, but if you just need to, to work through and, and get feedback on how you're coming across before you go into a difficult conversation, um, I find that finding somebody that you trust to give you that feedback, they'll, they'll, they'll find a way to tell you how you're coming across that won't be um, too challenging for you mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, of taking that kind of criticism because yeah. I find that friends and family are usually very gentle when giving feedback. <laughs> <laughs> You can have, yeah. also get a little bit of a buddy system going too, mm -hmm. like in meetings. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause you can't see yourself when you're out there unless yeah. you record it. I mean, hmm. and then, yeah, but I mean, in all my years of doing public speaking training, I found that nobody likes to see themselves recorded. <laughs> yeah. I know. Even the most amazing people find flaws in themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned something else that was so interesting here that I was, like I said, I was starring it down as this not only emotional intelligence, but gender intelligence. So mm -hmm. what is that? Yeah. Well, it's, it is a growing area of, of research right now. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing that we're finding um, in, in this moment that we're living in right now, um, there's a number of organizations that are mandating gender equality within mm -hmm. their organizations so that they're mandating that more women get hired. But what they're finding is that women are leaving organizations as quickly as they're being hired. So that was a, a, a question that led to a whole area of research of finding out why. Um, why are women leaving as quickly as they're being hired within organizations? And the answer lies in understanding how the environment that you're creating within the organization is either supporting or not supporting those, those women that you're hiring. Um, once they're there, are they feeling like they're being valued for their contributions to the team? Are they being given offer, offered opportunities for advancement within the organization? Um, are they being relegated to tasks that are perceived of as traditionally female tasks? Um, or are they really being given the opportunity to lead on teams um, and go into the areas that they really find interesting? Um, and, and a large part of the research that I've been taking a look into in this um, deals with um, the difference in the biological makeup between men and women in terms of how we respond. Um, in the emotional intelligence course, we talk a lot about the makeup of the brain. Um, and we've got the, this um, amygdala at the center of our brain. We always use a little hand model that's in control of our, of our emotional center of our brain. And then we've got all this wonderful prefrontal cortex area here that, that comes down over it. And that's our higher order of thinking, our rational brain. And, um, and we always talk in the emotional intelligence class that when we're triggered with a strong emotional response to something, we call it flipping the lid, where the, 
the rational part of the brain goes uh, goes offline for a little while, and the amygdala hijacks us and, okay. and takes over. Yeah. So, um, but but the the research that's being done on on gender difference right now is getting a little bit more into the complexity of what's happening here in the prefrontal cortex, and how does that impact the way that men and women engage in decision making, in emotional responses in the mm-hmm. workplace. Um, and what we found is that. Um, that women actually have a, a, a different biological makeup to, to their brain that impacts some of the common communication mistakes um, or communication uh, missteps that happen between men okay. and women. Um, and I'm just saying, broadly speaking, not everybody fits into these categories. Okay. Gender is a spectrum, um, and mm-hmm. and um, but these are, are very broad general terms. Mm-hmm. That women uh, actually have um, an area of the brain that connects uh, the left and the right hemispheres um, that has more nerve endings and that is larger than men. So we are capable of jumping back and forth between the right and left side of our brains much more quickly, um, which is a jumping back and forth between the creative side and the more um, organized um, and analytic side of the brain. Mm-hmm. So when we are in meetings, um, and because men don't have that, that, um, that same connection between those two hemispheres, they tend to stay singularly focused within a meeting. So what t- tends to happen is there's a communication breakdown where um, women are jumping back and forth between multiple ideas and men are, are, are getting frustrated because they want to, to stay the course and stay on track and, 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 and stay in one line of thinking. Um, and what we found is that both, both ways of approaching decision-making and chat and problem solving um, are, are beneficial. Mm-hmm. So how can we create a team environment where we're aware of those two different ways of thinking um, that we take advantage of both of those things because, um, yes, women can be jumping back and forth between the right and the left side and brainstorming all new kinds of ideas, but then there needs to come a point where we say, okay, now we need to get on track and, and come to a decision. Right. Um, so how do we create uh, environments that, that celebrate those differences um, rather than create challenges or roadblocks or miscommunication between men and women? Um, so that's an example of one area that, that, we're, that I'm looking into right now. Um, also in this, um, uh, connected to the emotional intelligence, um, there is this false perception, somewhat false perception that women are more emotionally intelligent than men. Um, and what we found is that, uh, to some degree that is true, but what we found is that the people who are more emotionally intelligent naturally are people who are in more subordinate positions. So oh, yeah. um, there was some research that was done uh, w- that, that looked at um, how uh, different pairings of, of men and women uh, working on teams together engaged emotionally with each other. And they found that even when, when there was a female boss and male subordinates, the male subordinates were, were more capable of recognizing the emotional responses in the leader than she was of, of them. And so they think much more it's about power dynamics rather than about natural innate ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, and there was a study that was done where women were, men and women, groups of men and women were tested on their emotional intelligence uh, by looking at a number of faces and looking at people's eyes, just their eyes and being able to gauge what their emotions were. Uh, and when they were told they were, their emotional intelligence was being tested, women outperformed men significantly on that. When they were told it was just their intelligence that was being tested, 
men performed just as well as women. So there's also a, a bit of a social perception that, that men aren't supposed to be as tapped into their emotions or their emotional responses of others as women are. But when you put a different label on it, or when they see a particular outcome um, that they want from it, then they're just as capable of recognizing emotional patterns as women. So looking into all these different areas to come up with strategies for organizations to be able to create uh, environments that are harmonious to all different um, uh, ways of approaching work. Yeah, harmonious, yet also bringing, uh, capitalizing on the diversity. Mm -hmm, uh, absolutely. Thinking. Yeah, we're talking about that more and more about it's, you know, not just background, ethnicity, gender, and all that, but it's the ways of, of thinking and approaching problems that can yeah. really help organizations. Yeah, huh. absolutely. And yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's also this perception that, that is true to, to a large degree that women are more collaborative in their decision making and problem solving, that we tend to, to reach out to, to recruit more people in the process. Um, but then how do we figure out, how do we find a way to, to um, because there, there's a, a, one of the results of that is the perception that women are indecisive. Uh, yep. because they, they take in more feedback. Um, so a couple of the things that I coach some of my female executives that I work with, um, if they do want to be very collaborative like that, um, to make clear what the parameters are, just to avoid that perception of indecisiveness, but mm -hmm. also to, to give themselves some guidelines for how to take collaborative feedback. Um, and one of the things that I, that I say, um, ask for them to do is to, to make it clear at which point you will no longer take in input. So make sure that the, the parameters are set clearly for what period of time will I be taking input from outside people um, before reaching a decision. Um, but then engaging the team in, in the process uh, in a very specific way, like asking, um, what are, this is my, this is the area that I'm, that I think that we should explore. Let's collectively come up with five questions as a team as to, um, areas that we would need to think about um, if we were to pursue this, this line mm -hmm. um, or doing what, what's called a pre-mortem, which is um, this is the desired outcome that we have. How do we work backwards from that to, to figure out what steps we need to take to get there? Um, so a couple of very specific ways that, that we can be collaborative, but then also have that, that uh, very clear process by which we're going to be collaborative with one another. And not uh, erring on the side of appearing indecisive, it sounds to me mm -hmm. like you're communicating that you are making a decision, you're taking charge of the decision mm -hmm. in a yeah. collaborative way. Yeah, yeah, setting very clear goals and expectations for everyone on the team. Mm -hmm. Well, that's something that everybody could do is open Absolutely. up some of it to when, when it's appropriate. Sometimes yeah. you don't want to do that, but uh, yeah. 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 Now that makes sense. And uh, it sounded to me like there were so much of this is about setting up a process, but also the communication of it, mm -hmm. uh, which is where we started, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit Absolutely. about how are we communicating <laughs> with each other and, and getting the messages across yeah. that we can understand each other yeah. uh, and across gender and, you know, the different functions, the roles that we have too in the organizations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like you deal with a lot of different people in different ways. Well, let me ask, how can people get in touch with you, Rebecca, if people want to contact you after the show? Yeah, well, I have a website and it's RebeccaJohansson.com. Uh, and it's uh, uh, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-J-O-H-A-N-N-S-E-N.com. Uh, 
kind of like Scarlet, but she spells it the wrong way. I like to say. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. So any um, uh, any further information that people want about the kinds of courses that I teach, more background information they can find there. Um, but then they can also contact me through the website as well. Okay, we'll have that in the show notes as well. Great. Uh, a direct link there. Because, yeah, your spelling of your name can be <laughs> It's a lifetime of being misspelled, yes. <laughs> <laughs> These days you can never assume yeah. how to spell people's names anyway. But uh, So we'll have that. Any last words that you want to give uh, to the nerds in, in terms of thinking about how they might improve their gender IQ? Yeah. Um, well, I always think that, that it's um, just being able to be aware uh, that there is a difference in the way that everybody thinks, not just mm-hmm. men and women, but men and women are just one area of exploration right now. Um, but just being aware and open to the idea that um, sometimes people process um, how they how they problem solve, how they, how they go through um, decision-making, everybody processes it differently. Um, one of the most important things that we can do is to celebrate the differences with the people on our team rather than to see them as a, um, as a challenge to the way that we do things. Um, and that's the, I think that's the foundation of a lot of the different material that I, that I teach yeah. is taking a look at how can we celebrate the differences between each other and how can we have a more open, more objective uh, mind toward how other people engage. Um, because learning how to be more objective in how we think about others is one of the biggest uh, keys to improving your emotional intelligence. Yeah, well, I know it, I can see this as a role modeling from you because you just explain differences in so many different domains without having a judgment necessary about yeah. what's better or worse. It's just that they're different. And so if we can keep that and think about it, uh, that's a way to move forward and, and even be willing to have some of these conversations because that's, Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, it's challenging right now out there in the working world to have conversations about gender or about differences. So yeah. uh, figure out how to approach it. And I think that you're talking about the celebrating diverse yeah. approaches to problem solving. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Rebecca. This has been a real quick uh, 30 minutes here on our show. (laughs) But, you know, it sounds like you're giving our technical people a lot to digest and uh, thinking about how they can uh, manage their emotions and and even just realize they're having them and and still be uh, true to themselves. I think that was the key, which is a major point for us. Uh, yeah, you unpacked that for me about acting isn't necessarily uh, being somebody else. It's finding mm-hmm. the truth within yourself. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been, uh, it's been wonderful work engaging with, uh, with people in this community. Well, thanks. And thanks to our listeners and our viewers on reinventingnerds.com. Uh, you can come subscribe, rate and review and uh, We'd love to have you come back and listen and watch more of our episodes. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.